You are listening to Your First 100K, the number one podcast for Christian entrepreneurs, coaches, and business owners who want time freedom and financial freedom so that they can provide for their families, travel the world, and give back to the less fortunate. If that's you, then sit back and stay tuned in because you're in the right place. I'm your host, Joseph Warren. I started my first multi-million dollar business at age 19 and wasted away my 20s trying to find happiness through money, success, and pleasure. I made millions, but I still didn't feel happy or fulfilled until I learned the real secrets of success. So the big question is this, how can Christian entrepreneurs like us who didn't give up on our dreams build a highly profitable six to seven figure business without being unethical, doing it all ourselves and neglecting our family and our faith? Well, that is the question. And this podcast will give you the solutions and strategies you've been looking for. Thanks for spending time with me today. If you're new here, then welcome. I have a free 10-day training waiting for you over at first100k.com. Again, go to first100k.com to grab your free 10-day training. Today, my featured guest is John Sanders, and he is a co-founder with Les Hughes. And these guys know a hard, rarely shared truth about life in ministry. That hundreds of pastors leave vocational ministry every single month. Often, these departures are unhealthy for the church as well as the pastor and his family. Frequently, financial scarcity and anxiety that come with it are key factors in the departures. Out of this knowledge, a desire for more financial freedom and margin for their own families, and a passion to help others claim that freedom themselves, Entree Pastors was born. Entree Pastors helps people think, act, and thrive as prosperous entrepreneurs. Through podcasts, a membership community, and mastermind groups, Entree Pastors provides the tools and support community to help pastors and others with a ministry background achieve financial and time freedom and escape the stressful paycheck-to-paycheck life that often accompanies vocational ministry. The goal of Entree Pastors is to blow up the model of the starving pastor. I've heard of the starving artist. I hadn't heard of the starving pastor. And build a community of prosperous pastors who can provide well for their families and demonstrate generosity to others. You can find them at EntrePastors.com, EntrePastors.com. John Sanders is joining me today. Unfortunately, Les could not make it. So, John, welcome to First 100K, Top 100 Podcast in Entrepreneurship. Go ahead and just take a minute, fill in some of the gaps in that intro, would you? Yeah, well, thank you, Joseph. It's a privilege to be here and sharing with you today. Looking forward to our conversation um, yeah, a little bit about me. I've grown up in pastoral ministry my whole life. My dad was a pastor, and that was a relatively great experience for me. I didn't have a bad experience growing up in a pastor's home. I knew it wasn't what I was going to do with my life, though. I had other plans and uh, started to pursue those plans, and then God messed up those plans and called me into full-time pastoral ministry. So I've had a, a long run as a church planter and lead pastor and a lot of good that's come from that. But yes, I have experienced 
both growing up in it and then leading in it myself, everything that you said there in that introduction, that's so true that many pastors find themselves in that place of struggling financially. And what's what's true is that most people are kind of okay with that. Like no one really comes directly out loud and says, we want our pastor to be a starving pastor. But I would challenge you, find a church where a, a normal pastor can get up on a Sunday and say, hey guys, I just want to praise God celebrate that my business that I run outside of this church has had the best week ever. We just signed our biggest contract, our biggest client. There's not too many churches that would applaud that and celebrate that and go, man, pastor, we're thrilled that you're thriving financially. Most believers, most churches kind of have a very comfortable mindset. They have a place in their their thinking process that that has their pastor next to broke, and they're kind of good with that. So, you know, we want to change that model and not not by asking people to give more so the pastor can can, you know, live more comfortably. It's let's let the pastor be free to go out into the marketplace, create a business that's serving people beyond the four walls of the church and uh, really setting up not only their own family for financial health and success and thriving, but also the church that they lead. So that's a little bit of an introduction to me and my passion in serving pastors in this way. Okay, Startup Nation, we're here today speaking with John Sanders, co-founder of Entrepastors, and we're asking the question, should pastors be broke or should they be rich? Like, which is it? Which is the biblical answer? Now, this is going to divide people right down the aisle. Right. Like, without question. John, speak to that. What do you think it is? Yeah. Well, what I can tell you is this. First of all, just to give a little bit of context, I come out of a Baptist background, you know, pretty conservative evangelical background. So that's that's me. That might put me, you know, that might help your audience know what label to put on me and where to categorize me. But in the Christian community, there there's what I would call a fringe, maybe a, a percentage that has gone into what I'm personally calling a ditch. And if, if you're a brother of mine or a sister of mine that's in that place, I'm not trying to, you know, be divisive or, or call names. But whether we call it the health and wealth gospel, the prosperity gospel, I don't personally go that far. I think there's some extremism there where we've said God's will is for everyone to be rich and you just have to have enough faith. And, you know, the measure of your bank account is synonymous with the measure of your faith. I have some problems with that. But Joseph, what I'm here to tell you is that for everyone that's in that ditch that many in the Christian community would look at and go, yeah, I'm going to shy away from that. There's probably about 10 or 20 on the other side of the road in the other ditch. And that is that prosper or that poverty gospel, that scarcity gospel that has somehow come to equate being broke or barely getting by financially with being holy or righteous. And I think there's a much healthier tension somewhere in the middle where we are being creative and productive and using the gifts and abilities that God has given us to go out into the world, to serve people, to build some stuff, to solve some problems. And God is not upset if we're getting rewarded financially along the way. And if we're building wealth, we think that when good people make good money, they can do some good things in the world with that. And so anyway, I don't think it's a, a you know, rich or poor. I think it's trusting God to be everything that he created you to be. And if if in this day and age in which we're living, this world of opportunity, unlike anything we've seen in human history ever before, if you're not able to go out and build wealth, man, I think that's more on you than it is on God's will for you to be broke and poor and destitute. So 
I'm a fan of pastors thriving financially. That 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 narrative of the starving pastor, we're over that. I'm done with that, and we're helping set some pastors free from that mindset. So, John, I like what you did there, right? You said, hey, we got one extreme over here on the left. We got the other extreme on the right. We got the prosperity gospel. Like, hey, your bank account equals your faith. Like, it, that's the measure. Mm-hmm. And you're saying, hey, I think that's that's wrong. That's too far over here to the left. And then you got the all the way to the right, the the poverty gospel that says your holiness is equated to your uh, brokenness. Yep. Really, right? And I was raised in that. Yep. I know I was raised in that. My parents literally said to me, like, Joseph, we're not meant to be rich. God doesn't want you to be rich because yep. I was a young man with ambition and I wanted to start a business at like 18, 19 years old. And they're like, what are you doing? You can't do that. Wow. That's not the path to heaven. Like, we're meant to be poor. That's literally the words my parents said to me we are meant to be poor as christians wow and that's the other extreme and it took me years to kind of find my middle and i think toxic extremes in any area of life are problematic i really do i just did a episode about toxic extremes in politics on my other podcast and we had a mayor uh you know from texas on there and we spoke about that and it's just these extremes that cause divisiveness down the middle and it's normally the enemy just getting us to fight each other oh. right and rather than like love each other <laughs> which is what god wants us to do and i think it's the same with money money right so startup nation what do you think is the answer you're a bunch of good christian believers right like is it prosperity gospel versus poverty gospel which is right which is good yeah and I'll what's you, the actual middle? And John, how did you find us? Find well, it. Joseph, tell us here's your story. the thing. The, the word uh, prosperity or prosper or abundance, those are not bad words. I mean, those are straight out of the pages of scripture. So it's not that I think God has an issue with us living abundantly or living pros- in, in prosperity. I just think it can be taken to an extreme. I believe, though, we're God's probably far more closer to that other side than this poverty mentality that is so prevalent in the church. Sometimes people say it out loud, like your parents did. Much of the time, it's I kind of use the the metaphor. It's like an app that runs in the background of our phone. You know, sometimes it helps to kind of open those up and close them out because you've got a lot of stuff that's operating in the background. It's affecting how the you know phone is operating and the speed at which it functions. And mm. the same is true with our thinking. There's a lot of mindsets that kind of operate in the background. And that's a big part of the work we do with pastors is we help pull some of those to the forefront and say, let's really examine this. Who told you? Because Joseph, my part of my story is I made that agreement with God when I finally surrendered to preach the gospel and to really go in that direction. One of my biggest hangups was I don't want to be broke. Now, at the time I was working as a full-time firefighter, which, uh, you know, they don't usually get rich either off of that work, but it was still... I made a I made a conscious choice when I said yes to surrender to ministry. I said yes to also struggling financially. And it took me years to realize God didn't offer that up as part of the deal. That wasn't God's um, you know, price tag that he was putting on it going, God, John, if you serve me, you're going to have to be broke as well. That was something that I accepted from a culture that had given that to me and I never really challenged it. I never really thought that much about it. I just thought, well, 
to serve God with your life fully means you must be broke. Cause that's what I've seen growing up in the church. That's what I've seen growing up in a pastor's home. And so I just took that and ran with it. And it was years later that I finally realized God's not upset with us, you know, applying our gifts and abilities out in the marketplace and serving people and building wealth and doing good things with that wealth. So I just think we get really wrapped up around money. And it's probably why Jesus spoke more about that than so many other issues in scripture, because he recognizes the potential that is there for that to really trip us up instead of us seeing it as what it is. It's just a tool. It's a tool that we can use for good things. And the more we have tools in our you know toolbox, the, the more work we can do, the more people we can help. So, mm. you know, I think it comes down to motives, right? Jesus says that God judges the motives of our heart. Like, I think that that matters. That really matters to God. So what is the purpose or your intention for the money? Right? That that matters to God. Are you using yeah. it for selfish desires? Or are you using it to advance the kingdom of God? That's yeah. completely different. Yeah. Right? Those intentions. So if pastors, I think, right, here, I'm gonna cast my vote here, right? Tomorrow's voting day or today's voting day, whatever. I'm gonna cast my vote and and say that. Startup Nation, it's okay to be prosperous if you're going to use the money for good, for advancing God's kingdom on earth, for providing for your family. And it's not good to be prosperous if you're going to be selfish with the money and just use it for your own pursuit of pleasure. Sure. Success, It's an, way, it's an empty life. It really it is. is. Like you, you can only lay on the beach and buy new toys for so long before that kind of becomes hollow and empty. So I think for people with a kingdom mindset, I think we kind of fundamentally get this. I want my life to have an impact far beyond just my own comfort here. I want my life to count for eternity. I want someday in heaven for, for me to be able to see how God used my life to impact so many other people that are there. And I, I just think we, we kind of naturally get that, but why do we have to be broke and destitute along the way? Why, why can I not enjoy? And by the way, not just what, what I get to enjoy, but it's how much more I'm able to serve other people when I have some resources at my disposal to do that with. So you're right. It is about the motive in the heart. And again, I just think we need, for those of us who really love God and have the kingdom mentality down, we just need to get over this money thing and being so uptight and weird about it. Like, have some money, get some money, serve some more people, do some fun stuff and keep serving God in the process. All right. All right. All right. Listen, you know, whether you're listening and you're Protestant, if you're listening and you're Catholic, like I, this goes across the labels, right? It, it really does. If you're a believer, you believe in God, you believe the Bible is his truth. You believe Jesus is the only way to the father right and and salvation then like we're all the same we're all in the same boat period regardless of the labels okay but i know for a fact like in the catholic space because i have both on the show here and i know like uh catholic pastors priests they get a flat like salary um and i think it's somewhere in the neighborhood of 30 to thirty-five thousand a year in this economy, that's peanuts. Yep. Right? And they don't make more than that. Never can. 
They don't get like bonuses or something based on how much they collected that, that Sunday. There's none of that. So they just get these flat salaries. And I know some of them personally, they're good friends of mine and they give away like $10,000 a year back to the ministries in their own churches, Hmm. like out of their own personal salaries. Like that's pretty amazing. Right. When you think about that, they give a third of their of their salary, their income, which is pennies, pennies. Yeah. Now in the Protestant space, there's there's no cap, I think, you know. It really it's case by case in each church, but you see mega church pastors that are enjoying the rewards of prosperity, but sometimes it's off of the collection plate, right? Sure. For some of them, right? Now, you introduced a third option here, John, and I thought it was very interesting. A third business model for pastors, right? So you got the salary one in the Catholic space. Then you got the megachurch collection plate model. And then you got what you suggested, which is like, hey, this pastor is not going to take anything out of the collection plate, but he's going to go create his own side business and create you know, provision for his family from that, from starting his own business on the side. And I find that very interesting. Now, is this the only model you teach pastors or do you teach a combination of them? What What is it? Yeah, good question. And no, it's not the only model. And furthermore, I want to just correct something, just a small clarification. I, I believe if a pastor is working in a church and for a church, they deserve to be compensated for that. So our message is not, hey, go start a business so the church doesn't have to pay you. Um, and okay. for a lot of time, for many years, of uh, it's been in the Protestant realm, it's been very uh, common for a pastor to be what they call bivocational. But generally, that's had the mindset of, we can't really, our church can't afford to pay you, pastor, other than, you know, that $25,000 annual salary. We'll, we're still going to call it full-time but we'll allow you to also go work at Walmart for you know nine dollars an hour so that you can afford this pastoring gig, um, you know because we can't fully you know make make all the ends meet. So it's been very common for years to be to see pastors in that bivocational space. Our 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 message is slightly different. I don't just want you to be bivocational. I want you to be entrepreneurial because I know you can make a whole lot more as a business owner than working for Walmart for $9 an hour. This isn't about getting you just to trade your hours for dollars. It's about using the unique gifts and skill set that God has given you that, by the way, you're using probably already in pastoral ministry. Let's just modify how that uh, shows up in the world and let's take it out to the marketplace and see how much more it's rewarded there. One other thing, too, that something you said, Joseph, when you talked about in the Protestant world, their ceiling might not really be there, the cap might be lifted. Um, it really is. And I'm telling you, there is a real ceiling put in place. And it gets back to that narrative of the starving pastor. The average church in North America is under 150 people. You know, So mm-hmm. you do have those mega churches. They're in the rare you know, 5% of churches that... And by the way, I'm not even mad if that pastor's making a six-figure income. If they're leading an organization as a multi-million dollar budget, and they're overseeing all these staff like you could probably make the case out in the marketplace, they would be rewarded very similarly with a similar compensation. But for the normal pastor in, a, in North America today, they're leading a relatively small church. And again, in the Protestant space, it's not much different than what you just said with our Catholic friends. They're 
their salary is somewhere around that forty to fifty thousand dollar a year. It might include a parsonage, but that's not really a good thing either because that pastor, while well, he lives for you know free essentially for those years he's serving, the minute that's done. He's out with no equity in a home or any of that. So I don't see that really as a blessing to a pastor to put them in a parsonage and call that part of the salary package. So anyway, the ceiling is real and it's there. And our message is just, I'm I'm good with that pastor receiving income from the church for the work that they do, but let's call that income what it really is. If you're paying a pastor $35,000 a year, my friend, that is a part-time salary. That is not a full-time salary. But that's what we do in the church. We call it full-time. We place full-time expectations, which in pastoral terms kind of means 24-7, 365. We own you, pastor. And what really gets me you know, upset is when I hear the stories of churches that will say to their pastor, we forbid you from being out in the marketplace. If you're full-time, you're serving God, that means mm. this is all you do. That's really where I take issue. I'm not upset if a small church can't afford to pay their pastor more than, mm -hmm. you know, a meager amount. Okay, fine. That's not my issue. My issue is then when that church wants to dictate to the pastor, oh, but you're not allowed to go out in the marketplace and do something else. We encourage pastors to be free to go do exactly that, to go out in the marketplace. And again, what they do with that income then, it's between them and God. I know pastors who give every bit of their salary back to the church because their businesses are thriving so well. Praise God for that. That's awesome. But I'm not going to prescribe that. If they cash those checks and put it in their own bank account, they've earned every penny of that church salary from the work that they do there for the church. And I think we can make a biblical case that, you know, pastors do deserve to be paid for the work that they do in the church. But anyway, I know I'm kind of rambling there. Wow. But, but I, uh, think, yeah. I, I think we're making solid points. First, we had to get through the head trash, right? That, that yep. was the first thing we did. Yep. And now we're raising the question, like, should they be rich? Should they be broke? Like, where, where's that middle? And I think we're both in agreement. It really depends on the motives of the heart, right? For all of us, whether you're a pastor, you're in ministry, you're not in ministry, like, what are you doing with the money that God is blessing you with? right? Is it for selfish desires or is it for your family and it's for others? You're giving to the poor, right? What are you doing with it? That really matters. All right, let's move forward now. Let's talk about when you take on a pastor and you get through the head trash and you get clear on the motives and he's like, no, I want to start a business so I could provide for my family. I want to do very well and ex advance God's kingdom. I want to give to the poor, right? I want to have impact with my life. Okay. What do you teach him? Like, what yeah. are the steps? What are the lessons? Because this is a business show and this is what I deal with every day with guests is like, Hey, what are your top tips and strategies? Like what actually works and what works for in ministry, I, I think is the real question yeah. when it comes to entrepreneurial and starting a business. And I would suspect many of these pastors, you would teach them to leverage their congregation because they already have a built-in following for whatever business they're getting into. Is that correct? Or am I completely but, off? Potentially, we actually offer a little bit of a not, warning might be the right word, but just because again, that can get a little weird if a pastor now starts trying to sell to their congregation, their own business. We don't, there's cases where I wouldn't discourage it if a pastor owns a pressure washing business and one of the people in their congregation 
wants their home washed, well, then by all means, it's no, it's, it's business. We can probably separate that. I see other examples where, you know, if we've got, we've got pastors that are coaching, that might get a little weird where someone comes to the pastor and says, Hey, what does it cost for me to get coaching from you? There's kind of a built-in expectation. You're my pastor. You're going to speak into my life. Um, So, but again, counseling, like, where do we draw that line? What, what does a pastor do just because they're the pastor versus no, I'm a professional counselor and you'll pay me no different than you'll pay any other counselor. So it's not a it's not a yes or no. It's proceed with discernment if you're okay. you know directly selling to your congregation. But what we do encourage them to do is leverage the skills that they're already using in pastoral ministry to be out in the marketplace. So backing up a little bit to your question, after we've got through the mindset stuff, here's here's our signature offer with pastors. We call it a pastor's roadmap to financial freedom. And we use the acronym MAPS. So M-A-P-S, the M stands for mindset. We've already talked about that. Mm -hmm. The next step on the journey with them is the A, and that's assessment. We take them through a really in-depth and thorough assessment of who God has created them to be and how they're Mm -hmm. uniquely shaped by God, because that's going to determine then the next thing, or it'll play heavily into the next one. The P is pathway. And we, we offer up three kind of broad pathways that we encourage pastors to look at. Like you can go down this path or that path or that path in terms of creating a business. And then once you choose a pathway, the S is strategy. Now we're going to help you with the strategic part of this. You know, a lot of pastors don't think strategically when it comes to business stuff. It's It's a little bit of a foreign concept to them. How do you develop an LLC and how do you set up your business banking, and just some of these simple things, but they're not simple. They can be overwhelming if you've never done it. And so we kind of walk through the strategy of some of that, the marketing, how do we get this business up and off the ground? So that's that's kind of the overview of the steps that we take a pastor through, but we don't have a cookie cutter approach. We, we work with you as a unique pastor. How has God wired you? What do you love to do? Who do you love to serve? How can we take those skills and take them out into the marketplace to solve a problem for somebody and make some awesome money along the way as we do that. All right. All right. Those, it sounds pretty basic, pretty simple, right? Mindset, assess their personal like giftings and talents. And then what's the pathway for them? And then what are the strategies, the business strategies that they need? Now, I got to ask you, like, what's your business acumen when it comes to that final part, the strategy? Like, you and your business partner, your co-founder, like, how successful are you with with these pastors who maybe enter the business world complete novices? Yeah. Full transparency, we're just a few steps ahead of them. But oftentimes in mentoring, that's all you need. You just need someone that's a little bit further down the path that can show you how they got to where they are. My, If we back up a little bit, my journey into this goes back a, a few years now when I saw my time as a lead pastor after 17 years of being in that role as a church planter and lead pastor, I saw that coming to a conclusion and I saw kind of a shift in my ministry um, looming in front of me, looming, that sounds like a foreboding thing. Like it, it was an opportunity. I saw kind of a new fresh season of ministry. And I hired a coach back in 2019 that really helped me see some things that I was not able to see before that and helped me see my ability to create a business around 
so much of what I had already been doing. I, I had a podcast going at that time. It had been running for about eight years, serving pastors in kind of the small town rural church setting, had a pretty large following with that. I had pastors reaching out every week, wanting to talk and ask questions. And so I just did it. I loved serving them. I loved having the conversation. And I had a coach then that helped me see, John, you could build a business around this and really monetize that. And so I I followed that advice. I followed that that coach's playbook into learning how to monetize that message and serve that community. And then a few steps down that road, I meet this guy named Les Hughes, and we find out we have some very similar passions around this message. So we launch Entree Pastors. And so that's a business. I also own another small business, a little handyman business that I do. And so I've I've always been an entrepreneur, but for many years, God has used that within the church. Uh, the church that I planted and led, we grew to six different locations, multi-site church. So I didn't realize how much of my entrepreneurial makeup God was using as a church planter to launch new things and to market it and to build an audience and hire a team and grow that. So I've had a probably a good amount of experience in that, but it's been more so in the church realm than out in the business space. So full disclosure, I'm still a novice at this business stuff, but I know enough to help someone who is where I was not too many years ago, and Les has a similar story as well. So, um, and we're also both getting coached at a very high level. We're, we're both a part of a mastermind where we're surrounded by some people that have done this many, many times over in multiple arenas of business. And so we, we also feel like we are getting coached up on a regular basis by people that have been to the mountaintop and we're, we're learning from them as well. So hopefully that answers the question. I think it does. And that's a very honest answer. And Startup Nation, as you're listening right now, the way John answered that was awesome because it was authentic. And he said, hey, listen, to be fully transparent, I'm only a few exits past my clients, you know, but that's enough. Sometimes clients will pay you sometimes larger ticket uh, pricing uh, for you to get them one step forward, one step closer to their dream. Right? What is it that, what's that future that they want for themselves, for their families, and what's it worth to them? And if you're two exits past them and you could take them one step, you know, closer to where you're at, that could be worth it to them. And I know so many times, you know, part of the head trash we have as entrepreneurs is we don't feel confident in our own skill sets. We don't feel confident in our own product, which is us, that we're good enough, that we have enough to offer others that they're willing to pay for it. And you really got to lower the bar like you really do and lower this the expectation of you don't have to be perfect to be, you know, prosperous in business. You just got to be like a few steps past, you know, and, and really help people uh, just level up. That's it. Yeah. Just level up. All right. Now, if you're trying to serve people that are ahead of you, well, that's foolish, right? If you've never been to the mountaintop that you're promising to people, it's not going to work. Right. But if you're at that next hill that they want to get to, great. Be like, hey, cost this much and I'll get you. I'll be your guide. So I think that's great. Thanks for that, John. You bet. All right. So let me ask you this. What's been your number one marketing strategy that helps you get customers in any of your businesses? Is there like a pattern there? You know, I think for us, it's our podcast. That's our most consistent uh, free content creation that goes out where we are serving. We're giving the best that we have to give. We're really not holding anything back. We're interviewing guests that are our ideal 
clients or people getting the results that we want to help our clients get. So we're sharing the stories of pastors that are already doing this. They're already living that entree pastor lifestyle, and we share their wins, their struggles. And uh, that is the thing that really is bringing people into our orbit. You know, people find that podcast or someone shares it with them, and then a relationship is born out of that. And for me personally, I absolutely, podcasting has changed my life. I mean, I am a huge fan of podcasts. I've listened to so many over the years. I've led them now since 2014. I've had, uh, you know, three different podcasts that I have uh, owned and operated. And it's just such a powerful medium for getting a message out and building a relationship with the people that you desire to serve. So for us, that's probably one of our biggest marketing strategies with our business is just sharing those stories through the podcast and building a community through that. Pretty excellent. All right, let me ask you this. So some of the clients you are pursuing uh, may be pastors that are financially broke, right? So how does that work for your business model? Are you chasing the wrong client, right? Because the client has to have the money to afford the services you're giving. They may have the need, but they don't have the money. Like, yeah. have you run into that? And how'd you get past it? That is so good. And that gets back to some of this major mindset stuff. It is, a, I'm going to validate that statement. It's a true statement that our target audience needs us primarily because they don't have enough financial margin in their life, which does create a little bit of a challenge. But that's where we could give in right away to some of that stinking thinking and go, well, you know, man, we're going to have to find someone else to scholarship these guys or pay for them or whatever. And I'll just quick tell my own story. That coach I mentioned earlier that I hired years ago, that was at a price of $1,000 a month. And that came at a time when I was struggling the most financially. Like our church had been growing up and to the right. And we hit about a three-year skid financially. It wasn't just one thing. It was death by a thousand cuts. And it got to the point where we're literally cutting staff from our team. We're cutting our salaries in half. And it was in that season that I made a decision to hire a coach at $1,000 a month. And for most people, that that is a very terrifying thing to do. I mean, believe me, I felt that at the time. But I pushed through that discomfort realizing this is an investment that I'm making into my future. I'm looking that this investment is going to bring a return. So that gives me, and Les, by the way, has similar stories in his journey, that gives us authority as we're dealing with our you know, profile clients. Like, make the choice. We're going to help you push through this discomfort, and we will help get you to a place where there is financial margin. This is an investment so I don't really buy that idea that someone can't afford something, you know, like they can't afford it. There's a, we afford what we want. And so I don't, I'm not minimizing the hardship or the challenge that is there in many cases. Uh, but I could tell you story after story of pastors that we've served that I thought there's no way this person can afford to pay us. And all of a sudden, boom, they have the wherewithal or they find the wherewithal to make that happen. So we just keep serving and we keep offering. We don't apologize for the the prices that we charge for our service because we know that we can help you get to a better place. And we're not going to, you know, let you go until we do walk you to that better place. So we don't apologize for charging a premium for the work that we do. And we think it's, it's part of serving our client because through that, they're going to grow versus if we just say here, it's all free. We know you're broke and can't afford it. So we're going to devalue our offering 
Um, you know, I know when my coach charged me that thousand dollars a month without apology, that helped me dig deep and that helped me really value the the product that I was getting from my coach versus if he had said, I feel sorry for you and where you're at. So here, this one's on me. It's for free. I might not have shown up with the same amount of intensity and follow through that I did when I was, you know, had some serious skin in the game. So we just, we don't really let that uh, mindset affect us. We keep serving and calling out the best in our people and, and we get it much of the time. Startup Nation, did you catch what John just said? That was powerful. Had he been given the product of coaching for free or sponsored by the coach, like, hey, I'm going to hook you up. You can't afford it. I get it. You know, I'm going to do a pro bono with you. I do once a year, you know, with a client. I'm going to pick you as my loser <laughs> client. Right? <laughs> right? Like, literally, what that would have done for John is a disservice in his life. Because not only would he have been labeled as almost inferior subconsciously as a client of that coach, but it wouldn't force him to level up how he was showing up in the coaching itself. I know that the every time I raised my ticket price on my coaching, the quality of client that I attract <laughs> levels up. Yep. The results that they get accelerate like they win faster when they spend more with me why is that because they're deeply invested in the outcomes they're deeply invested in the results and it's financially invested so they show up they don't like cut out they don't not do the assignments why because they got to get their money's worth they got to justify the expense it's part of our human psychology. So what they, they're doing is that you're actually taking the human psychology and you're leveraging it to get the future that you want. Yeah. So the more you invest, the, the more you're going to show up in that. And I think that's powerful. That is so powerful. So that's for you, Startup Nation, in charging uh, clients more money. Right? Because you have, you have some head trash around that. That's why you won't do it. You won't raise your prices. But know that your clients are not going to show up powerfully until you charge them more. Yep. Okay? And then if you're looking to invest in yourself and level up your own skill set, then you got to be willing to invest more into that coach that you're going to hire. All right? Yep. So very powerful lesson there. We'll move forward with that. All right, John. Good show, man. Good, good topic today. You know, we're speaking with John Sanders. He's the co-founder of Entre Pastors, and you know, he's helping these pastors get past some of the head trash, you know, that they have around making money, right? And uh, like, he's helping pastors achieve financial freedom by encouraging them to think, act, and thrive as prosperous entrepreneurs. Because many of them don't think they even are that, or could ever be that. So, John, what have we not discussed that this audience needs to hear right now? I don't know if we've not discussed it, but I would just offer up that word of encouragement to anyone that's on that road. You're getting started. Uh, I'll share something with you that my coach shared with me early on, and I have discovered this to be the case. You know, he told me that, he said, John, right now, you feel like you're standing at the edge of an ocean and you can't see to the other side and it just feels, you know, impassable. He said, what you're going to find in a short period of time 
you're going to look over your shoulder and realize you were standing at a mud puddle. And I would encourage when you're starting up, like that's true. There's just so much that seems so overwhelming. And it's not until you start taking those steps of action forward that the the next steps become more clear and you start to realize, man, this isn't as far of a leap as I thought it was going to be. Uh, but if you just stay paralyzed with fear or, you know, just this idea of it works for other people, but it doesn't work for me. You know, I've got all the reasons why I can't do this. It, it will continue to be an insurmountable obstacle for you until you get going and take action. And so, you know, for myself, I am where I am today because I've taken action on some stuff and we're we're moving and we're going to keep moving. And it's what we encourage our audience with as well, man. Like you're not going to get results by sitting and continually just, well, I got to learn more. I need to listen more. I need to, you know, read another book, listen to another podcast, keep doing all that stuff. That's great, but do it while you're taking some action moving forward, whatever that looks like for you. So hopefully that's an encouragement for someone listening to this today. Get going. What's the next step that you need to take? Take that step. And the next step after that will start to become clear as you do that. I agree with you, John, completely. Startup Nation, if you don't feel you have the ability right now to take those actions, you just are a professional procrastinator, or you're constantly in this place of overanalyzing every darn decision and you just make none and you don't take action, then go hire a coach who's going to give you actions to take and you're going to finally take them because you're going to invest so much money that you're going to get your money's worth, right? So do it. Either way, do it. Get into action. John's right on that. All right, John, let me ask you this. Sidebar, what do you do to strengthen and deepen your faith? Man, I have a morning routine that is a huge part of my life. It's just become one of my uh, treasured daily disciplines. And that morning routine consists of my time spent with the Lord in his word and in prayer. But what really helps me is also being in relationship with God's people. And I know this sounds kind of cliche, right? I, everyone probably says that, read the Bible, pray, but, but it's truly spending time in relationship with God's people because that's where the stuff gets lived out. You know, when you're bumping up against people in, in healthy relationships, sometimes sparks fly, sometimes conflict happens, whether that's in a marriage, a friendship, a business relationship, and it's in those community settings that you you are taken deeper into the process of how this thing works. It drives you back in conversation with the Lord in his, in his word and in prayer. So for me, it all builds from that foundation. I'm spending time daily with my father in those quiet hours of the morning, uh, but then I get to go live it out in uh, out on the game field of life and business and family and all the stuff. And, you know, I find that as that happens, my walk with the Lord continues to mature. And here, this is interesting. The more mature my faith becomes, the less I think I know. You know, it's kind of amazing. The older I've gotten, the less um, certain I am. And that may sound counterintuitive. It's I'm very certain in who God is and his faithfulness. I've just become maybe a little bit less harsh around the edges on some things. The deeper my walk with God has grown, the more I've gotten to know Jesus, Um and I'm just enjoying the journey more today than years ago when it was all about the destination. And I got to get there and I, it's, you know, got to work. I got to strive as I've grown in my walk with the Lord. He's just showing me like, just enjoy the journey. Enjoy me along the way, develop your friendship and relationship with me. And, and I write better stories than you do anyway. So just keep walking with me and see the story that I'm unfolding here in your life. All right. 
John, welcome to my favorite part of the show. Welcome to the hustle round. I'm going to ask you 10 quick fire questions. You'll have about three seconds to answer each. Don't overthink oh, it. It's right, just for go. fun. It's like a game show without prizes. Are you ready? <laughs> yes, let's do it. What's your favorite thing about being a business owner? Impacting people. I love serving people and love working with people. What is your least favorite thing about owning your own business? People. <laughs> it's a double-edged sword, man. I love them. And uh, it's the people. No, seriously, it's the admin stuff. It's the behind-the-scenes stuff that you have to do um, to, to make the rest of it possible. That's probably the, the most frustrating part of business with me is just the admin junk. Yeah, I hear you. John, I believe we're all struggling with something at any given moment of our life. It's just part of the human condition. What are you currently challenged with right now, either professionally or personally? Man, it's that ongoing imposter syndrome. It's those days that you hear that voice of who do you think you are to do this? I, I know where that voice is coming from, and I know the right answer to it. That doesn't mean that you don't still hear that voice sometimes and have to deal with that. What are you most afraid of? The dentist. Uh, <laughs> beyond that, uh, living a life that doesn't that doesn't make a difference. Being being useless. I don't know. That's not the right word. I'm trying to go quick for your lightning round here. But uh, you know, having a life that doesn't make an impact. Yeah. What did you spend way too much time doing your first year in this business? Um, doing the peripheral stuff instead of having sales conversations. So the peripheral stuff is perfectionism, you know, on the, oh, this has to be just right. This logo, this font, this website has to be just right. Instead of get on the zoom call, the phone call, whatever, and, and talk to people about buying what it is you're selling. What secret fear do you have about people? That they won't approve of me or like me. And that's what keeps us off of the sales conversations, isn't it? Right. Got it. What do you wish you had learned sooner in business? Uh, what do I wish I learned sooner? That God is good with it. That, that God is proud of what I'm doing. That God is not upset about me being in business. That I'm not being disobedient to my calling, his calling upon my life by being in business. Nice. What's a new habit you're going to create this year? I'm going to get to the gym more. I'm already going, but more. What's a bad habit you're going to break this year? Less time on TikTok. Come on, TikTok. Come on, China-based owned company. What is this? They're There's about so to get good shut. Stuff. I've learned so much from TikTok. They're There's about to get shut there. down, man. They're taking all our data. What's going on? I know. All right. Pick three words to describe who you are now. Leader, influencer, learner. Pick three words to describe who you were your first year in this business. Striver, uh, beginner, learner. And last question, John, if you could come back to life after you died, look your family and your friends in the eye and give them only one piece of advice about true success in life, what would you say to them? It's all worth it. The things we do for the kingdom are worth it. It's real. Jesus is real. Eternity's real. It's all worth it. Keep your eye on the prize. All right, John. Now you get to give uh, Startup Nation, my audience, a homework assignment for this week. What's one action they must take if they want to grow their business income and impact with God? Well, I'm going to tap into something I said just a minute ago, and it's going to be take a specific action step. Chances are you already know right now what that is. 
chances are it's something that brings up fear inside of you when you think about doing it or a level of discomfort, whatever that is, go do that this week. Like take action on it and do it. John, why are you trying to guilt us, man? Jeez, man, that's, the Baptist. And that's the Baptist uproot. <laughs> All right, Startup Nation. If you enjoyed this episode with John Sanders, then go write a five-star review for him, about him, about what he delivered to you, the value. And you could do that at Apple Podcasts. You could do it at Stitcher.com. Or you could go to First100K.com, First100K.com, and write that five-star review. Uh, and I may read yours live on the show like I'm about to do with Handle, Changing the Sales Game. That's the name of the handle, Changing the Sales Game. Thanks, uh, Changing the Sales Game, for your five-star review. He wrote, love Joseph's energy and honesty. Uh, so happy to have found this podcast. And Joseph, uh, he's honest, humble, and approaches his guests with great questions to dig deep into topics that are needed to grow our own personal and business revenue. Awesome. Thank you, Changing the Sales Game, for your five-star review. Go write yours now, Startup Nation. Hey, John, where does Startup Nation go to find out more about you? Maybe there's a pastor listening. I know there's a pastor listening. Do you work with Catholic priests as well? Is it okay Absolutely. if they're Catholic? All Absolutely. right. Where do they yes, go? Sir. What do they get? What do you got for them? If you go to entrepastors.com, you can find everything you need there and connect with us. It's taking the word entrepreneur and shoving it up against the word pastor, entrepastors.com. All right, entrepastors.com. Go get some. All right, John Sanders, thank you for being on your first 100K. I wish you God's love, peace, and joy in your life, sir. Thank you, my friend. It's been a pleasure. Same. Cheers. Are you a dad over 40? Are you overeating, overdrinking, or failing your family? Brother, if you're overweight, watching porn, or drinking more than once a week, then listen up. If you're struggling in your marriage or finances, you've lost your power as a man. What's even worse is that other men can smell weakness on you. When a man lacks confidence, he stinks of weakness. People could smell it on him a mile away. People and opportunities will avoid him because he's carrying a deadly disease called powerlessness. Remember back when you used to feel invincible, you were in your power, when you were unstoppable, back when you were the man? But how do you feel now, brother? Are you tired all the time, unmotivated, stressed, worried about the future? So what the heck changed? What happened to you? I'll tell you, you became undisciplined. You've been slipping for years, haven't you? You eat like crap, you half-ass your workouts, your health is slipping, your finances are slipping, your marriage is slipping. Your parenting is slipping. Your confidence is slipping. A pile of slips leads men to a big fall. How do I know? Because I'm you, brother. You are me. I am you. Brother, you're out of power. I'm in my power. Let me help you get your power back. Apply for our shredded father's brotherhood where husbands, dads, and businessmen over age 40 are getting shredded and staying ripped for life. Go to shreddedfathers.com. Limited spots are available. Brother, your wife and kids are waiting for you to step up and lead them. Brother, wake up. Move.